0: This is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Did you really see how much money people want to try and get if they transition jobs nowadays? The way the work market is, the workforce is, that if you want to change your job and your career, if you want to transition to a better opportunity. Apparently now the average salary that you have to offer in order for you to transition to a different position or a different company is (laughs) $80,000. That's how the economy's at nowadays. That's my generation saying, oh man, oh yes, I need to have the premium, baby, the, the, the cream of the crop. I need to have the best of the best of the best, sir, in order for me to go and do my job. What a wild world we live in today. Welcome into the show. What's up? It is a Monday broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it's always great to have you along for the ride. Your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day. Bottom of the hour, we have U.S. Senator James Langford from the state of Oklahoma. We'll talk about the return to Washington, D.C. Oh, yes. It is the return to Washington as we talk about some major issues going on in D.C. between the federal budget and the farm bill and the aviation bill. Those are really the three topical projects as soon as we get back. So we'll cover some of those throughout the program today, and we'll talk with U.S. Senator James Langford about that here in just a little bit. What a week, though, man. We Strap in, buckle up, get ready. It's going to be a wild, wild west week of... What's going on politically? We have our first Republican presidential debate on Wednesday, obviously causing a lot of controversy and conversation with uh, former President Donald Trump not attending that debate, but instead going to be doing a live video stream interview with Tucker Carlson. So the question I have for you is, will you be watching the debate, or will you be watching Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump? Or will you try to watch both, is what I probably will be doing, which is watch the debate Then watch the recorded version of Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson, because I want to see both of them. So I am curious on what the ratings will look like. We'll talk about the debate as it gets closer. Uh, Programming note for you tomorrow, for those stations that do know it or for you that may be familiar with the show, uh, tomorrow I will be filling in for the Todd Starnes radio program, which I am excited about. I Uh, been able to do that a few times now and it's a great honor and looking forward to that and we will have some uh some fun in-depth conversations regarding the debate and the lack of appearance by former president donald trump on that one here's the wild part let's get into our what's trending story of the day what's trending today so as we get ready for a republican presidential debate And we have total 15 candidates that are in the race right now. We have roughly seven or eight of them that could potentially be at least qualified to be on the debate stage on Wednesday. Donald Trump being one of those that will not be there, but others uh, that are trying to get on that debate stage. We have the Democrats that don't like the attention being taken away from them. They are the narcissists. They are the self-centered egotistical individuals. And whenever Republicans start to do something, they have to find a way to keep the media away from them. So what is Donald Trump, or I'm sorry, what is Joe Biden doing? Joe Biden is now, which I don't quite understand, kind of a waste of money right now, but it's an interesting campaign tactic. Right now, Joe Biden is throwing in $25 million of campaign money to run in swing states where he's running TV campaign ads in the battleground states, according to The Hill, where they say the TV ads will air in major markets in Arizona, Michigan, Georgia, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, the states that Joe Biden won in 2020, excluding North Carolina, where they say, according to Newsmax.com, he lost by less than 100,000 votes in that state. Now, you want to talk about a waste of money unless it's a smart campaign tactic, but I want you to be that decision maker. He's laying in $25 million. Uh, First off, I don't know how much is in his coffers right now, but why would you spend $25 million now? Joe Biden does not have a primary challenger essentially right now. We have Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who I think is an amazing candidate, although I disagree with some policy decisions that he makes. Overall, as a stand-up individual, he is a staunch fighter for freedom for the most part, again. And he is one that could potentially rebrand the Democrat Party to its original state, or at least to a better state that it's in right now. Not saying the Democrat Party has ever been one of a decent level, but at the same time, it would be much better than what it is right now under a face of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as opposed to someone like Joe Biden. So he really doesn't have any challengers. He has that one, Elliot and Marion Williamson, which is hilarious, but she didn't have a chance in any way, shape or form, to win. We don't have the commitment of Gavin Newsom right now. We don't have the commitment of Michelle Obama right now. So it's really those three under the ticket, which are usually, historically, traditionally... If you have a sitting president that is the current president running for re-election, the party usually gets behind you and votes and supports you unanimously, and you don't really even have any type of primary process. There are no debates that are scheduled right now for the Democrat Party, and outside of those two candidates that they're not giving any attention to in any way, shape, or form, Joe Biden doesn't really have a challenger. And we're in a year and a half, a little less than a year and a half away from the actual general election of 2024. Why? Is Joe Biden sinking in $25 million in campaign hits to run in many swing states that include someone like Michigan, where they told us wasn't even a swing state, but was actually a deep-hearted, deep-blue state that votes Democrat predominantly? And we saw that in the last election, that voted pretty heavily Democrat, unless you want to look at the potential challenges that we saw in that race. So what is he doing? What's he spending the money on right now? Because right now the focus needs to be within the party unless... He's trying to take some jabs at those that are paying attention to the Republicans as they are doing the debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Wisconsin being one of those states that Joe Biden is running part of his campaign ad on. The funny part is, is what he's actually focusing on as a topic. And we've talked about the potential platform for the Democrat Party before and what it may look like, which we think it would be about social issues. It would be about the LGBTQ. It would be about the woke businesses. It would be about the ESG. It would be about the education system. It would be about the abortion. We know it would be somewhat of those topical issues. But then he has these two ads that are actually running. Now, yes, trigger warning for you. If you cannot stand the voice of Joe Biden, we are going to play his ads that he's planning on running right now that popped up on YouTube just a month ago. But the very first one right out of the gate, man, he's actually running on the economy with this campaign. Too many people have
1: been left behind and treated like they're invisible.
0: Folks, my
1: economic plan is about investing in places and people that have been forgotten. It's about making things here in America again. It's about good jobs. It's about the dignity of work. And it's about damn time we're doing it. Joe Biden is determined to reward hard work. That's why he passed historic laws that rebuild our roads and bridges, invest in our factories, and bring back American manufacturing. Over 12 million jobs have been created, and Joe Biden's building an economy that leaves no city, no town, no American behind. We're investing in places and people that have been forgotten. They've been invisible. But we haven't forgotten. We're building an economy from the bottom up and the middle out where no one's going to be left behind. Joe Biden, a president for all Americans. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message.
0: All right. Outside of the policy issues that just are flat out lies in that campaign, we'll talk about a little bit later. Why is he running an ad on the economy right now when he's running across the nation doing his tour talking about how great the economy actually is and then sinking money in at this time? Now, remember, this is at a time when we just heard the news of mortgage rates going above 7%. This is the time when we have really insanely high gas prices that they're blaming on hot weather with people not wanting to actually distill or manufacture the oil or drill for the oil in the extreme heat. So, therefore, it's the private sector and the workers' fault, your fault for not actually producing oil as opposed to actually draining the reserves in the nation that he did just last year and over the past year. So, why is he running that now? To me reminds me of, hey, you might want to cover up your desperation showing a little bit and how the campaign actually isn't working on the road. So now we have to reach out to the blue-collar workers, the ones that are going to the daily grind, the ones that are going to the factory each and every day, the ones that are going to be around Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is a large manufacturing area in the mid-America the Mid- region, the middle of the country, the heartland of blue-collar workers, He's got to try to appeal to them somehow, creating 13 million jobs, bringing government uh, into it, trying to fix it, bringing jobs back to the home front and focusing on the American economy. When we know the American economy's trashed, we know that it's bad. So is it a sign of desperation? I mean, he's got an approval rating of like 41% right now, so it's nowhere near the halfway mark and he's not doing well and he's got to boost himself up somehow. But is this really the way to do it? It's very strange. At the same time, you would think that he would be doing better because in these areas where they are doing the Republican debate, for example, the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, and Illinois and Indiana and Ohio and Michigan and Kentucky and that whole region there, where there are a lot of factory workers, manufacturing work uh, and manufacturing jobs, they're also the heartland of the unions. And the unions love Joe Biden. And the unions, the socialist unions, love the Democrat Party, because that's where the Democrat Party gets the majority of their funding is from the union. So congratulations again. Pat yourself on the back, union workers. You're hard earned dues that you go towards. The unions are paying for the donations. to Democrats who you probably disagree with if you're listening to the show in some way, fashion. But I don't know why he's so unpopular if he's got the union support and the unions are telling their workers, hey, the Joe Biden economy is doing great. And most people are realizing, wait, well, maybe it's not as good as they're telling us, because. What I'm seeing in the real world is just a little bit different from what they're telling me on the mainstream media. Here's the other weird one. They have another ad that's running that is about patriotism and the American flag.
1: As the sun rises, we raise the flag, a symbol of all that we hold most dear as Americans. Courage, opportunity, democracy, freedom. They're the values and beliefs that built this country and still beat in our hearts. But they're under attack by an extreme movement that seeks to overturn elections, ban books, and eliminate a woman's right to choose. Joe Biden has made defending our basic freedoms the cause of his presidency. The freedom for women to make their own healthcare decisions. The freedom for our children to be safe from gun violence. The freedom to vote and have your vote counted for seniors to live with dignity. And to give every American the freedom that comes with a fair shot at building a good life. In small towns and big cities, we raise our heads, our eyes, our hearts for America, for the idea of this great country. Joe Biden is running for re election to make certain that the sun will not set on this flag. The promise of American democracy will not break. Democracy must not be a partisan issue. It's an American issue. As your president, I will defend our democracy with every fiber of my being, and I'm asking every American to join me. For freedom, for democracy, for America, Joe Biden.
0: I'm Joe Biden, and I approve. Alright, so message. that's a second ad, apparently, that they're running right now from the Biden campaign. By the way, did you recognize that voice? Is that the same voice that did that ad? Is that the same guy that did the before the real American hero? Our salute to the the Bud Light crappy guy that's not really a dude that pretends to not be a dude but's really kind of a dude. Our salute to him and real America. Is that that same voice guy? That's interesting. If it is, I don't know if it is or not, but that voice sounded vaguely familiar. Uh, so again, we can talk about the policies within that ad, that's complete bogus and a bunch of lies. But why run ads now when you don't have a primary? You're a year and a half out from the campaign and you're going to have to save a lot of that money going into an actual general election against a candidate. You must be really, really, really unpopular in order to try and boost your ratings a year and a half out by spending campaign money. This is The Voice of Reason with
1: Andy Hoosier. Fighting
0: for freedom every day. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Twenty-four minutes past the hour. Radio TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or check out the show, we always love you to death and appreciate you very, very much. So I'm about to answer the question that I posed going into the break is why is Do- why is Joe Biden dumping in $25 million in campaign funds a year and a half out from the election? He doesn't have a primary. He doesn't have a primary debate, essentially. Now, again, we have two other candidates, potentially a few more that are jumping in, and he may not even be the candidate, which I don't think he will be going into the general election of 2024. So maybe he's just got to burn it off. That's a potential, I guess. Just burn out the money. I got the money in the campaign funds. I might as well use it because I'm not going to be around for long. That's a possibility. I mean, RFK Jr., as much as we like him compared to the other Democrats, he doesn't have a chance right now. He's still floating in Single, maybe low double digits in the teens right now compared to Joe Biden's approval rating in the Democrat primaries. Marianne Williamson is entertaining as she is. She has no chance whatsoever as well. So it's either if Gavin Newsom and or Michelle Obama jump into the race, then we'll see things get really interesting over there. But until then, you would think that he would hold on to those funds and wait for that to happen before he jumps in and starts running a message on positivity of his administration on what he's doing. There's a deeper sense here, and this is where Democrats get very dangerous because we always look at Democrats at the surface level. Most people that are in politics look at political issues at a very surface level and face value. And there's something more malicious, a little bit deeper going on within the Democrat ranks is they know Joe Biden already has decent poll ratings. They know that it's essentially neck and neck according to all the national polls between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. They know that outside of the Democrat Party— He's not the most popular guy, just like uh, Donald Trump's not the most popular guy outside of the registered Republican ranks when it comes to independents and moderates across the nation. So what are they doing? Those two ads that we just ran that are running for Joe Biden right now that are running all over social media, the ones that they're placing TV buys for, are about the economy and about patriotism and the American flag which is very strange because that does not bode well with the Democrat ranks right now. The Democrats like socialism and like how the economy is going, even though the economy is in complete tanks right now. And they despise the American flag. They despise the idea of patriotism. They want to fundamentally change the United States of America. So why would Joe Biden be running an ad about patriotism and about waving the American flag? Well, the reason he's doing it is because they also see the same numbers that we see. And they see that right now the party on the Republican side that is predominantly at near three-quarters of support right now going towards Donald Trump are within the Republican ranks. And outside of the Republican ranks, just like with Joe Biden, that the middle of the road, the moderates, the independents, the squishy middle, do not like either one of those candidates. They're not looking at trying to rally their base right now. They're looking at trying to win over moderates by doing the old school campaigning the positivity of what we had seen during the ronald reagan reelection about how the american dreams still alive Patriotism still there. We still love our country. Let's bring back the white picket fence and the happy family values. That's what wins over those squishy middle-of-the-roaders that don't pay attention to politics, that don't know what's really going on, and like the feel-good messaging from a politician. And Joe Biden and the Democrat Party are recognizing that when Donald Trump is full of baggage right now, unfortunately, with the indictments and with trying to cause disruptions in the country and trying to not release power... I'm saying according to the other side, not from us, because we understand what's really going on in the truth of that whole situation. But they're banking on that and piggybacking on that to try and widen their base during a time the Republicans are at each other's throats with near 10 candidates on another debate stage, with Donald Trump refusing to even show up and show unity to a Republican debate coming up on Wednesday. And all the craziness that we cause upon ourselves, the Democrats are taking advantage, dumping in a massive amount near $25 million for a campaign in swing state, and saying, look, we're the rational party. We're the ones about patriotism. We're the ones about the American flag. We're the ones that actually care about middle America, unlike these guys who just bicker amongst themselves. Look at what Democrats are doing right now.
1: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets Radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier
0: the program always a pleasure to have you along for the ride today as we continue to move through the day really happy to have this next guest back on the show as we focus on what to do with the return of washington dc and many of the legislators heading back to dc and getting ready for the fall session of what's going on and a lot of things that will be addressed really happy to have this one back on as he's a great friend from the great state of oklahoma it's u.s senator james langford senator how are you my friend
2: I'm doing well, actually. Thank you. In the great state of Oklahoma right now, it helps my whole attitude.
0: Yeah, I love it. I can only imagine being out of D.C. Is, is kind of a nice break. I know you guys are about ready to head back up there, and you've been traveling quite a bit, and there's a lot of things to talk about, especially for what you guys are going to focus on when you do get back to D.C., but uh, talk about state of Oklahoma, what's been going on out there, and uh, some of the big wins you've been working on.
2: Yeah, a lot of things that are happening still in the state. The economy is still continuing to be able to grow, and a lot of things are happening here that are positive. A lot of aerospace moving into the uh, into the state. A lot of energy policy uh, or energy uh, companies that are still continuing to advance in all forms of energy. Uh, so that's been helpful. But right now, it's it's been interesting just travel around the state hearing and people talk about struggling to get their passports and uh, still people people travel can't get the State Department to be able to do their task. Lots of frustration on regulations that are coming down on small business, medium, and large sized businesses by the administration just trying to just make up things as they go and. People are excited that the price of eggs is down, but they're not excited the price of gas is up and uh, the price of mortgages are up. So, this economy and uh, the Bidenomics that President Biden seems to be so excited about, I can't find a lot of people in Oklahoma that are excited about.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine them traveling around the country saying that Bidenomics is working. And while they lie about 13 million jobs being created, they lie about inflation being down. We're battling near 20 percent inflation over the past three years combined under the Biden administration. Gas yep. up over four dollars a gallon almost in many places right now. I, I don't know how they can continue to try and say that there's a positive light in the economy.
2: Yeah, I just can't either. I mean, yesterday we hit the highest mortgage rates that we've had in 20 years. That is solely connected to the Biden uh, economic policy. So it's making it harder for small businesses to get loans, uh, harder for individuals to get home loans, credit card uh, debt, and that interest is going up significantly. The price of gasoline and the increase in gasoline right now is directly attached to the Inflation Reduction Act that they passed and some of the policies they put in there, which increased the price of uh, the taxes on all of these different energy companies. And they basically punished energy companies for producing oil and gas which drives up the price, which increases it for consumers. And they're saying, why am I getting gouged? They're actually getting gouged by Bidenomics is what they're getting gouged by.
0: What's really unfortunate, Senator, is it sounds like when you guys come back up there, one of the major priorities that we'll be focused on is, of course, the federal budget that ends at the end of September. And it seems like already we're talking about just a short-term funding plan to get us through the end of the year in December, which has been kind of the consistent pattern that we've seen over the past few years. Uh, is that true? Or could we actually see a budget come out when it's supposed to be?
2: No, no way. Uh, I, I would say t- that just because Chuck, uh, Chuck Schumer has not put a single appropriation bill on the floor, even for a vote. Uh, we have 12 of those bills that have to be done by the end of the fiscal year. We have three weeks in September that we're in session, and he's not put a single one of them on the floor. Uh, so I, I don't anticipate we can get through 12 of those in September. Uh, and so I, I would anticipate a short-term, what's called a continuing resolution, to be able to keep spending at the same level. The fight's going to be on the White House already coming out and saying hey, we want to do some new things on the border uh, that we want you to give you, give you funding, uh, give us funding for. And literally the language the, Bi- the Biden White House is looking for, that the uh, Homeland Security Secretary can spend this money on anything that they see necessary along the border. I was like, there is absolutely zero chance that we're going to support just handling uh, Mayorcas. A blank check and saying here's billions of dollars you can spend on whatever you want to on that yeah Uh, so there's some there's some issues that are already arising that could slow down just a continuing resolution even for some of the money they're looking for in other areas
0: wow it seems like it's going to be another frustrating process i know you and i've talked about this quite a bit before about republicans putting our foot down and not allowing just the massive amount of spending that's coming out so we'll have to talk about that again as that conversation uh, moves on at the same time, you mentioned the border. I know you went and traveled to go see the border just a few months ago, and we are still seeing the massive flood of migrants coming into the point or even New York City. And Mayor Eric Adams is like, yeah, can we can we start enforcing the border in some way, shape or form here? I mean, this is uh, when progressive liberals are starting to raise the red flag and the warning sign here. That should be a sign, shouldn't it?
2: Yeah, you would think that it would be. Actually, I'm at the border pretty frequently and back and forth with Border Patrol and, uh, and some of the issues that they face. there, trying to be able to resolve some things. Th- this can be resolved a couple of ways. One is administratively, this administration just enforcing current law. If They would just enforce current law. We as Americans are not opposed to legal immigration. We're opposed to illegal immigration. So just enforce current law. Second thing is Congress does need to redefine what the word asylum means. This is the loophole that this administration is using to be able to open the border up. It's just to basically say anyone who crosses the border will give them the opportunity to be able to pursue asylum, knowing full well the vast majority of those, 90-plus percent, would not qualify even for the most minimum threshold of an asylum request. Uh, But they're just saying, come into the country, we'll set you up with an asylum hearing in the next five to ten years from now. And by that time, they're gone. They've disappeared into society. Uh, so these, this is just a welcome map that this administration has put out for this. So if Congress can clarify what the word asylum means so that this administration can't use it, that would be a significant change for us.
0: Well, that would be a big one. And correct me if I'm wrong, Senator, but I thought originally that at least the general assumption of an asylum seeker was that you had to be – only from a neighboring nation for you to be knocking yeah. on the door and saying, I need to get out of the current country that I'm in because of being oppressed or being persecuted in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to go across this border here, and they're going to protect me, not from halfway around the world to say, well, I'm an asylum seeker, and I made it all the way across the world to come to the United States, and now I'm going to claim asylum. I mean, That doesn't make any sense to me. That's
2: correct, and that's exactly what the international definition is. If you If you were from, let's say, Guatemala, And you're going to go to uh, Canada and say, I want to request asylum in Canada. As soon as you cross the border in Canada, they would ask you, did you cross from the United States? Did you go through Mexico? Did you request asylum in those locations? They are closer to your home. Did you request there? When you say no, Canada will kick you out immediately and say you can't come through three other countries and then request asylum. You've got to do that in the next closest place. That's Canadian law right now. It's been that way for more than two decades. The United States has been slow to respond to this, but no president has abused that law like this president has. We didn't think we had to, but clearly we've got to be able to clarify that.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate we have to clarify because if the law is already on the books, it should be a lock-sealed case of, hey, you can't do this, but for some reason we're not.
2: Right, and so this is one that we we need to be able to clarify and uh, be able to work through the process. I'm actively reaching out to some Democrat senators, finding some that are open to this issue because they understand as well how much uh, that they're having a problem with the most basic issue of they're becoming a party that encourages illegal activity. Yeah. And uh, that is just a, a terrible place for them to be able to be. But currently, the National Democrat Party is the Democrat Party of illegal activity, whether it be crime or, or whether it be uh, illegal crossing of the border. Uh, That's where that's where they are, because that's what they've encouraged and promoted.
0: It is unfortunate. We're talking with U.S. Senator James Lanker from the great state of Oklahoma. Uh, As you guys head back up there as well, I know before you left, uh, before the recess here, you guys passed that uh, national defense bill, which was a big one. And usually, again, usually a pretty simple bipartisan bill to some degree, maybe a little bit of squabbling. But it seems like now we're getting so partisan in D.C., that it's getting harder just to pass even basic legislation right now. But talk about what uh, th- that process going into that bill.
2: Yeah, yeah, that the process got crammed. That should have been a three-week process. It's a really big bill. It got crammed into two, and that made it more contentious than it should have been. It passed 89 to 11. Uh, that's a very, very bipartisan vote uh, to be able to go through. It defines uh, a lot of national defense policy. Uh, not only what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, it's a pay raise for the members of the military and civilians that work in defense. But it also included some other areas. I had an amendment, for instance, in there dealing with border security that we were just talking about because border security is national security. Yeah. The Border Patrol right now, they, they can't work overtime and be paid overtime on that. They, they work a lot of overtime because of what's happening, but they're just not paid for it. Uh, so I actually had a section in it that increased the pay for our Border Patrol if they're working overtime. It should be pretty simple uh, to be able to do that, but that's a logical thing to be able to do to keep those folks there we also have things for, for instance, spouses. We have members in the military that leave early. Very often they'll say the reason they left early is because they, um, their spouse couldn't get a, a career. And they, well, their spouse wanted a career as well. So I put in an additional piece, helping spouses be able to actually do remote work and other things to mm-hmm. to be able to, so they can have a career. While their spouse, who's actually fighting in the military, they can have a career as well. Mm-hmm. So th- there are lots of things that we continue to be able to tweak. Most of them are not partisan. Uh, on this, it boils down to how are we are going to defend our nation?
0: Yeah, which is common sense. Again, the problem is is that uh, for some reason they always like to focus on a lot of the social aspects. And I know you guys did include yep. a lot of things regarding like being able yep. to transfer outside of the state for abortions and, and some of these other things that were being funded by the government and the military that you wanted to take away. Again, common sense, but they didn't like that too much.
2: Oh, no, it's amazing to me. So the, the federal law already is in place. To say that federal dollars cannot be used for an abortion. That is federal law right now, has been federal law for a long time. The Biden administration, in its obsession to increase abortions in America, uh, they didn't want to just have abortion access. They want to increase the numbers of abortions in America. Uh, they're now doing abortions at VA centers, which is clearly strictly against federal law. And they're now wanting to be able to pay people that are in the military five days of paid leave and their travel costs to be able to go get an abortion. Also, clearly against federal law, this will be an area to debate long-term on it. This shouldn't be an issue because this is, does the administration have the responsibility to follow federal law or not? I would say yes, they have that responsibility. It's a basic function of the president. They've got to follow federal law, uh, but currently they're not doing that.
0: All right, that's U.S. Senator James Lankford from the state of Oklahoma. We appreciate his time very much as they're headed back up to Washington, D.C., and so begins the ongoing debate and the shenanigans from the Senate and the House of representatives. Here's the scary part, and we'll talk about it when we come back. Here in just a moment is again shocking, not shocking, surprised, not surprised. Congress not getting their act together, so to speak, with the FCC-approved verbiage we're allowed to use here on this program, within regards to a federal budget the Farm Bill and other obligations that they should have had done like, I don't know, months ago. We'll talk about that when we come back. Stay This here. is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice
0: of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Last segment here on the program. Oh, how it flies right on by for a Monday. Greatest day of the entire week as we just carpe diem all over this place, baby. I'm excited. Thanks again to U.S. Senator James Langford from the state of Oklahoma coming on the program. We have an awesome lineup of elected officials as they get back into gear in Washington here in this next week. As tomorrow, by the way, programming note reminder for you again, tomorrow we will be filling in for the Todd Starnes radio program. Many of the stations that listen to this now also have Todd Starnes. Those that don't, you can go to ToddStarnes.com and you can listen to his video and live streams there as well. We will be filling in for him. It's just an honor to do so. So awesome. We'll talk about some of these same topical issues with the debates with joe biden's campaign with the budget issues but we have some pretty awesome guests and we will be playing both on the todd Starn show and we will play it on this show for the stations that don't obviously run todd starns and because it's my show here so uh we will be playing tomorrow an interview with congressman ron estes from right here in the fourth district of kansas my very own congressman, as he is on the Ways and Means Committee. We'll talk, obviously, about that budgetary process. On Wednesday, we will have U.S. Senator Roger Marshall from the state of Kansas as well. Now, he's kicking off his week-long campaign for fentanyl awareness, as that's still a major issue, and we'll talk about some other Getting back to D.C. issues as well. But imagine if you will, and I've used this analogy many times before, especially with this federal budget, because surprising, not surprising, according to Senator James Langford, we'll see what Congressman Estes has to say being part of that Ways and Means Committee. The question was, will we actually have a federal budget in the appropriate time, which is the end of the federal budget that is the end of September? Which means we're like a month and two weeks away from the end of the federal budget cycle for 2023, and the new budgetary process begins for the 2024 fiscal year. Will we be ready for that time? And the answer, according to James Langford, is that resounding? Yeah, no, no, we're not. We're we're not going to. So like usual, and like we've done since the Obama administration, now remember, this was not an issue prior to the Obama administration. Before, we used to actually have our budget done our ducks in a row and we would be able to transition nicely with an actual budget and that's not the case anymore now we wait till the very end we don't have enough time to get it done the democrats drag their feet and try and throw in a whole bunch of porculus and a bunch of crap that we don't like we try and fight it they say that we're trying to kill people and let people die in the streets because we don't fund all these social programs and pet projects we do an extension of the federal budget into december to the end of the year and then while they're trying to go off on holiday While you're not paying attention because you are off on holiday, while you're trying to enjoy the Christmas time and the New Year time and trying to de-stress yourself and trying to decompress yourself, while we go through that entire process, we have a lingering budget. And again, it's either extend it or shut down the government and let everybody die in the streets. Either pass it. Or you really hate the American people because you don't want them to get their Social Security paychecks. This is the argument that we've heard year after year after year. It has become the new norm in Washington, D.C., and it's happened again since the Obama administration. Prior to that, we had our 12 appropriations bills. We would actually be able to discuss the budget. Now we don't have that. It's the omnibus package. We need to pass it to see what's in it. And there are a bunch of lying liars in Washington, D.C. that are lying to us about what's actually in it as they cram a whole bunch of garbage into it and, oh, by the way, raise it to a level that we have never seen in our entire existence as a nation. And then they just are shock and awed when we're like, you know, maybe we shouldn't allow this to happen. It's a process that we see all too often, and it sounds like it's going to happen again. So we'll get more detail from that from Ron Estes here in the next few days, along with other elected officials as we get closer to those conversations. And unfortunately, have to bang our head against the wall with it again. Now, Chip Roy, congressman in the House of Representatives, is trying to block some of this and try and cut some of that spending, as him, along with 21 Republicans in the House of Representatives, has sent that letter to Speaker McCarthy saying that they will not support the current budget discussion as it is today, which is needed. Whether it's going to go anywhere, I don't know. But the fact that Kevin McCarthy is getting it from both sides now, again, means that one side's going to have to cave. And, oh, I wonder what side that could potentially be because Republicans have never caved in their entire life working in D.C. when they're trying to compromise with Democrats. That long-winded way says that we're in for a long haul and strap in, buckle up, get ready, because it is going to be a battle and we need to stay on top of this one. Uh, Real quickly as well, the attorneys for Hunter Biden, not sure if you saw this over the weekend, are now going after the Department of Justice to release the personal information from the whistleblowers that spoke out against Hunter Biden, like the IRS whistleblowers, like the other whistleblowers that are saying that Hunter Biden's been causing some issues. They want that information released so they can now punish them and go after them as well and persecute them doesn't that sound nice a real nice way to say that they're all about transparent the transparency and the lack of corruption right give me a break that does it for us today it's a monday here on the voice of reason we'll see you back here again tomorrow until then be your own voice of reason we'll see you on the radio